The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Discover the power within Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Are you ready to create a life that's intentional and dynamic? Welcome to The Intentional Spirit with your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. And welcome, everyone, and thank you so much. I always like to acknowledge uh, up front and close uh, the value of being an intentional spirit. An intentional spirit is a person that is beyond someone that has good intentions, regardless of the externals, regardless of the changes in your life, you still stay with that laser focus to have the awareness of, of the change that you're walking towards. It's a very powerful reality. Um, I'm thrilled today that we have uh, a repeat couple here on our show um, because they just continue to write more books and and share who they are as intentional spirits charlie and linda bloom they're at bloomwork.com their new book is what that which doesn't kill us uh linda and charlie welcome to the show today i'm so delighted that you're with us i'm happy to be here with you me too. Great to be here. What a pleasure. Well, the last time you were on the show, we talked about your tremendous life and all the things that you do to share in this world through uh, books and, and lectures and events, the value of staying the course in, in relationship. How many years are we looking at now? We're together 50 years. Girl, oh my gosh, woohoo, congratulations, you must have got together really, when you were just kids, because you well, look great. It's amazing, you know, 50 years, because we're, you know, we're, we're only 38 years old. <laughs> I know, those numbers, they're just not working out anymore, are Never they? Never in math. <laughs> oh my gosh, this is a... Uh, it's so, just so great. You are such tremendous models, and I would urge anyone listening to to go to their website because they do so much with the relationship, and there's such value in staying the course and learning how to language with each other and those kind of things. But I want us to focus a bit on your on your new book. How did the? I always like to know the story behind the story. So, how were you led to focus on this particular book? Well, you know, we wrote this book, the very first one that we ever wrote together. But I talked to somebody that I really trusted who was in the publishing field. She was an agent, and she said, nobody knows who you are. They're not going to read your memoir. You've got to publish something else first. And so we did the other three books first, and we established ourselves in the field of facilitating workshops and, and being couples counselors. 
And then we took this one out of moss balls and we dusted it off and prettied it up. And it really is a pretty dark story about a rough, rough patch that we went through where Charlie was a work addict and he was working 80 hours a week and traveling all over the place. And it just about broke us up. But we we found a way to connect with each other during that dark time when we had to have a lot of separations and we got through it. And when he finally did resign from that corporate position, the relationship began to flourish again and heal again. But I'll tell you, um, there's a lot of shadowy things in it and it was cathartic to write it. And it was a real healing for us to go back in time, back into the 80s when we were going through it, and make more sense of it. And we offer it to the readers to see that when you hit a really dark place in your relationship, that that is growth waiting to happen if you can utilize the experience. And if it doesn't really blow the relationship to smithereens, do you know that that crash can be uh, repaired and re- reassembled in a way that works better for you? Well, um, especially in the current times with statistics, because I've I've interviewed along the way on radio and television a um, a divorce uh, mediator, and you know the the numbers are. 60% of all couples get divorced and the the second time they get uh, they get married they tend to divorce the numbers are even higher which you would think it would go the opposite <laughs> and that it would become lower but it actually increases so um your message couldn't be more timely and and your willingness to be raw and to be out there and and to share um, and those those are just likened to our individual life. I, I some of the deepest, darkest places I have been in my life are definitely where the greatest gifts have come from. So just with that association, I can only imagine. Well, you've received a lot of powerful uh, endorsements from Bernie Siegel and Stephen Levine, Gerald Jampolsky. I mean, he's Mister Love Guy. Um, Greg Lavoy, um, it's great just kind of visiting them with uh, being on your website at bloodwork.com. Um, what part of the story would you like to uh, begin and, and share? Give us some some good insight today. Well, I um, I know Linda described it um, as um, kind of kind of a dark story. It's not exactly the way I see it. I, I see it as um, a very hopeful and, and hopeful story, one about redemption, that you can really visit some very, very dark places in uh, a committed partnership, as those of us who have ever spent any time in a committed partnership know, um, that there's uh, always some degree of shadow in there. There are parts of ourselves that, we're not particularly proud of that under certain circumstances get expressed and revealed, and sometimes we're both in the same state of mind uh, as the other person, and that can get difficult, to say the least. And, um, you know, we we went through um, a, a transition in which um, 
we were both uh, psychotherapists and living in New England, and I was offered <clears throat> a, a, a job uh, on the West Coast that was uh, very appealing to me, and we talked about it, and we moved. And that, that transition, um, which was a, a profound change for our, our whole family, um, turned out to have some, some very strong impacts on our life, both positive and negative. And and the book is really about um, what we went through and what we learned from um, our experiences and how we sank into some some of these very dark places with each other. And I know that you had mentioned the title of, of the book is... Uh, that which doesn't kill us. Yeah, well, that's but the, the that which doesn't kill us is the title, but is the redeeming part. Yeah, the subtitle is how one couple became stronger. Became stronger. Mm-hmm. And and so the book is really uh, a book of hopefulness, and that's really what we've heard from a lot of people who have contacted us. That they see that boy, what we went through is something that uh, it's pretty amazing that we you know we survived it and our marriage survived it. But we we learned so much from that experience. From um, and you know, Temple, the the phrase that you used earlier was staying the course. We learned it from staying the course, from just hanging in there. Sometimes just by our fingernails, just barely, but getting through it and and learning. So what is there for me to learn in this moment, in this experience, in this? in this very difficult, painful ordeal that I'm experiencing. What's the teaching? What's the lesson? And 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 then doing our best to try to integrate those teachings into our relationship and into our life. And we truly did become stronger at the broken places, the places where the breakdowns occurred. Um, we were able to learn how to deal with those because breakdowns are going to occur even in the best relationships from time to time. We can't totally prevent them from happening, but what we can do is we can learn how to recognize them, find and recognize the teaching that's inherent in it, and then apply that, integrate that into our lives so that the breakdowns will occur with less frequency and we'll be able to put the corrections in more quickly and so we'll spend much more time in a state of gratitude and appreciation and love and much less time in a state of uh, aggravation, conflict, and um, pain. So, so we give some very specific uh, guidance to people who want to learn more about okay, so I, I hang up, I help us to learn those things. Well, I... With one of the aspects of it, I was just curious as to, in your overview, were some of your findings, um, when you looked at your the shadows and the um, and the conflict, was it needing to learn how to communicate? Was it that neither one of you, as an individual, knew how to individualize? A journey of of pain and the uh, 
the ups and downs and the flow of life. Were you like so many of us and you didn't have any modeling as to what relationship could be? Do any of those apply? I'm just you know, being apply. in the in the spirit intuitively because I love <laughs> talking to the two of you because it always flows just, you know, so fresh and raw. Was it any of those things? It's all of those. Um, we neither one of us had good models in our family. Charlie's parents didn't get along and they did divorce and my parents didn't get along and they didn't divorce, but we didn't have a model of what a, a good high-functioning, happy couple looked like. So we, like a lot of couples, came into this partnership with a big learning deficit. We did get good help, and there's nothing like a bona fide crisis to bring you down to your knees and going through the dark night of soul, have you, you know, reach down deep inside yourself. And we also got some good help from Stephen Levine and his wife and some other people too. And boy, did I learn a lot. And I learned so much about becoming more independent because when Charlie was traveling, he was out of town. Sometimes he was out of the country. He wasn't even available by phone because he was working so much. And it forced me to make decisions that I would not have uh, made on my own if he had been accessible to me. I learned so much about patience and tolerance and acceptance way more than I thought that I ever was going to have to learn. And I learned a lot about forgiveness and letting go, forgiving myself for not being wife charming and forgiveness of him for not being husband charming and forgiveness of myself for not being mother charming because I was a stress case. And, you know, I would have done a lot to be able to avoid the difficulty of that harsh time But looking back on it now, I feel like it grew me like nothing else in my life has grown me. So I do have some appreciation many years later now, looking back on it, that going through it really matured me and um, grew me into a much better person. Well, would you also feel with your background and your... um both of your uh, your work that you've been doing all these years that it, it seems to me my my feeling is that you know part of a dark night of the soul is is almost like it's it's your it's your ticket you know like everyone is going to go through that um, for the most part one time and for some people depending on their soul evolution well they may go through more than one. But it's it's interesting that the beauty, uh, to me, at least how I see it, is that you were able to bring this out together and go through it simultaneously where it would it, the sense would be that often people will will leave it, you know, they'll they'll leave a relationship, they'll pack, they'll cut their pictures in half uh, to avoid having to go to such a place. Uh, whereas it doesn't mean that they're going to avoid going through the dark, dark night of the soul. It's still going to come. How do you feel about about that? I think you're right. Um, it, it is going to come because um, we are creatures of habit, and m- many of our habits are designed to minimize um, pain and fear and distress in our lives. 
So we're really, um, we're, we're all looking for some stable place to land in which we can feel secure and not threatened. And um, that, that expectation and that hope runs directly into conflict with the reality that life is inherently about change. So we're we're left in this in this situation where we often choose a partner with whom we can get our desire for <clears throat> security and predictability and safety met, and it's inevitable that we are going to experience situations where we don't feel that. And so the question becomes: So what do I do? What do we do when we are met with circumstances that are preventing us from feeling what we want to feel? And all too often, you know, the 60% of the divorces that you mentioned um, are activated because what one of the things that so many of us do is we blame the other person for us not feeling the way we want to feel, for losing that security for losing that feeling of unconditional trust, for, for losing the safety net that we thought we had. And um, when we get into cycles like that, we are going to have, um, you know, conflict. We're going to have difficulties. We're going to have differences that have to be resolved. And, you know, you'll notice that I said when we, have con- when, when we get into those cycles, uh, I didn't say if. <laughs> we will, you know, and it's just a matter of frequency and how how um, how long we get in there for, and how long it takes us to get out of it. Um, so it, it's really about learning how to manage the inevitable challenges of life, and and if and if we're all and of change, and and if we have a grounding in something that. No human being can give us the feeling of ongoing security that we crave. But if we have something in our lives, it could be a spiritual practice, it could be something other than something that that, that we can rest in that can provide us with more of that feeling. We can absorb some of the challenges of the inevitable ups and downs that we're going to go through in life and not blame the other person or try to manipulate them into being the person that we want them to be at that time. That's very powerful. Linda, it's your turn. Yeah, I I heard you use the phrase um, communication skills a little bit ago, and I will tell you that at the time we were going through this dark night of the soul, our communication skills were not the best. That we were, um, I was, I'll speak for myself, I was blamey and reactive and uh, sometimes manipulative and used guilt trips and all these unskillful means because I was just a, such a stress case that I was kind of regressed. And I'll tell you that um, a lot of, People are learning good communication skills, but when they're emotionally upset, they don't remember one thing they learned. And so I'll tell you that in addition to learning the good communication skills about making I statements and um, speaking from my vulnerable feelings of 
fear and insecurity and pain rather than the blamey stuff that was covering it up. Um, I really had to grow up and mature and develop self-discipline to not let the angry things that I was feeling come flying out my mouth that made things much more difficult. That kind of self-restraint and the courage to be able to speak from my tender, vulnerable feelings. These were all really important growing opportunities that I would I would embrace and then I would lose, and then I would embrace and then I would lose. And so becoming more self-reliant and becoming a, a stronger, more mature individual was really what I needed to master during this time. What we've come to refer to the growth process as being is using our relationship as our spiritual practice. Because we all know people who can sit for hours, you know, they can they can sit in meditation and then where the rubber meets the road is when they really are in relationship with somebody else. Can we keep our dignity about us? Can we keep our center? Can or are we gonna be flung off of our seat and and um, say and do things that are really not skillful choices. So it was it was a very growing time. So I I invite people to look at how committed they are to using their relationship as a very central part of their spiritual practice. Because alongside you know, the meditation practice that's done silent as an individual and the prayer that they're in and the hymns that they sing and the service that they do, their relationship has got a powerful potential to move them along the spiritual path as it did for us. That's beautiful. That's absolutely beautiful. Yeah, for me, um, it was a, a a number of years of of just being able to language out loud how I was still caring, not in a way of blaming uh, at all, because I I just have this feeling that you know past thirty stop blaming your parents, <laughs> you know. But um, in the modeling that I did not get. Uh, as far as relationship, because I was like you, Linda, they ought to have divorced and they did not. So I had this space of, uh, of what that was like, but there needed to be permission between uh, me and my partner that we were able to language, oh, this is what this is showing up like. Oh, I'm I'm reacting to this, and I'm seeing this uh, appearance of default within you because it's it's triggering a concern that that was how my mother used to be, and that's not really what I want, you know, or I, I wouldn't want to be in that experience or whatever. And um, it's a, it's a beautiful richness of of the willingness to grow out loud that way. But I do find, you know, like the two of you are saying, both people have to be, you know, willing uh, parties. I mean, it's more than the conversation in your life winds up to be the conversation that you have in front of the mirror. You can walk away from the mirror, (laughs) but your relationship, your love partner is the mirror that you're kind of toting around everywhere you go. It's pretty fascinating. I found it to be just a rich experience. But for me, like you, the value has always been not only in staying 
but getting deeper in, getting more involved, letting the heart be seen more and felt. That is so that true. Is so, uh, I love what uh, you're saying. saying. It, it feels it, almost it feels counterintuitive though, because mm-hmm. when we get into some of those uh, states, uh, some of those interactions, the very last thing that we want to do is to not go into it more deeply. We don't even want to get near it. We want to withdraw from it. That's the impulse. It's like when you touch a hot stove, you don't want to, you don't want to squeeze it tighter. You want to pull back from it. You want mm-hmm. to retract your, your hand, um, and that's what it feels like. And it requires you know, a certain amount of real awareness and commitment and intentionality and, uh, I'll use the word, courage mm-hmm. to be willing to do what we need to do in order to move through rather than to withdraw from the challenge that we've been given in, in, this, in this moment to really explore it more deeply rather than to do what we feel inclined to do, which is to go into avoidance, denial, withdrawal, um, because that, um, <laughs> that doesn't work. And, and until we learn that that doesn't work, we're kind of destined to continue these same patterns of manipulation, avoidance, and denial. <clears throat> so... Um, yeah, th- th- these are some of the skills and strengths that we um, try to help people to develop within themselves so that they can respond in ways that will be healing and redemptive rather than in ways that are just going to deepen and perpetuate the problem. It's a it's a daily practice, isn't it? It's an hourly practice. <laughs> yeah, there's no shortage of opportunity to practice. Oh boy, there you go. Yeah, you just really tuned into it. Yeah, it's an it's an hourly practice, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And one of our greatest joys, isn't it, to uh, understand relatability and the um, and the dynamic of, uh, of of family. Obviously, we have you know a lot more to talk about. Uh, and to also discuss and and certain skills and things that you offer uh, in your book with your telling your wonderful memoir and the, the stories that are woven into that. I want to remind everyone to go to bloomwork.com um, to discover Charlie and Linda and get involved in their work and know more about them and also look at what value they have because what you learned in relationship even in intimate relationships it transfers to all the relationships in your life i want to thank all of you for participating we'd love you to call in we'd love to actually talk to you today and have more uh, conversation with all of you we'll be right back after this short break Thanks for joining us. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. It takes you to power Unity Online Radio. If you'd like to make a positive difference in the world, you can by contributing to this global ministry. 
Unity Online Radio relies on listeners like you to support our broadcasts that send our messages out to an awakening world. Go to unityonlineradio.org and click on Donate Today. Here's Rev. Paul Hasselbeck with a Unity Teachable Moment, taken from a talk at Unity on the River in Amesbury, Massachusetts. All good is defined as divine mind, God, and I love this, the principle of divine benevolence that permeates the universe. So God is not good like a Boy Scout or a Girl Scout. God is the good, the principle of benevolence. And benevolence is basically the disposition to do good or to treat others well and things like that. And so, so in that moment, when, you, when you're not wanting to offer grace to somebody, you can remember at the very point of view is this principle of benevolence. And as we remember that, we can draw on it and then we use that principle to offer grace. To find more from Reverend Paul Hasselbeck, visit the radio archives at unityonlineradio.org. Join Travel with Unity 2020 for a transformational trip to Rome and the Amalfi Coast, March 26th to April 4th, and explore the culture, myths, and spiritual significance of Southern Italy. You'll experience the history of the ancient ruins of Pompeii, visit the Vatican, and spend time on the beautiful Amalfi Coast during this 10-day tour. Just 40 seats are available and space is limited, so reserve your trip before September 15th. Go to unity.org travel for more information today. Are you a spiritual explorer? Enrich your journey by engaging in inspiring and uplifting online courses starting now. Powered by Unity Worldwide Spiritual Institute's world-class online learning management system, you can join in live or study at your own pace in the comfort of your home. Check out courses and topics like mindfulness meditation, grief management, spiritual growth, and a lot more. Get help and support to achieve your dreams. Find out more by going to unity.org slash spiritual explorers today. Recovery from addiction can be a lonely experience. Get help and support with Reverend Lonnie Vanderslice, Reverend Dan Beckett, and Spirit of Recovery every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central. Welcome to a place where spirituality and recovery meet. Each week, you'll hear stories and topics that are important to the recovery community. Tune in for some lively conversation and join in with your questions and comments. Nearly 21 million people struggle with addiction in America. Reach out and join us here on UnityOnlineRadio.org. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. Welcome back to The Intentional Spirit with Reverend Temple Hayes. Thank you for being with us. If you're just tuning in, go to bloomwork.com because we are talking to some experts with the relationship, Charlie and Linda Bloom. And why do I say that so boldly? Why are they experts? Because they have lived it and they have experienced it. It's not like they went to a couple of workshops and then decided that they wanted to compete with what the workshop was about. They actually have delved in and they have dedicated their lives to to teaching people after 50 years of, of marriage um, and being forever young about it as well. So they have great gifts to offer us, tremendous value, 
And I just, I love it when they're on the show. So, um, Linda and Charlie, Linda, you, um, wanted to continue talking about the bonding in, in relationships. So take the, take the microphone and run girl. Well, I think it's really important for the listening audience, particularly for those, um, who have all the competing urgencies going in, in their life with the two career family and the, the raising the children, sometimes the careers and the kids get all of the energy and the relationship gets the leftovers, you know, the scraps. And no wonder the relationship's not thriving. It's trying to get by on starvation rations. And one of the things that we learned when we were going through this dark time is to put everything aside. And we had small little pockets of time when Charlie would be back from um, his work, because he, he traveled all over the country when he was working for the corporation. And we learned how to make every minute count. And we'd get the kids off to school in the morning, and we'd get back in bed with each other. And we would have deep and meaningful talks. And we would connect and caress and share, and we wouldn't answer the phone, and we wouldn't get up and go to the gym or do all the things that... Um, we wanted to do, we made our connection with each other the most high priority in our life. And I'll tell you, if we didn't put that bubble around our relationship and protect it from all the other things that were competing for our attention, we never would have made it through that dark time. So I'm grateful to Charlie that he, he was willing to show up for it because there was a time when our relationship was just hanging by threads. And without that, that one day that we could connect to each other would allow me to make it one more week. And then we would have a day where we could take some hours to catch up with each other, and then we could make it one more week. And I learned how to put down all of my irritation and resentment and what wasn't working for me and my perfectionism about what I thought the marriage had to look like and just consciously put it on the shelf for a while until we could see in each other why we got together in the beginning and why we had these three kids together with each other. We could see the beauty in each other that was there. It was right alongside the the part that wasn't working. Well, and, you know, especially now, um, because you, you know, you really made a commitment that you closed the other world off so you could continue to develop knowing each other in friendship and marriage and all those kind of things. And, and now it's such a, a different space that we, that we live in. Um, and in innocence, you know, it, we still call the thing we carry a phone. It's not a phone. We call it a phone, but it's a computer. It's a camera. It's a scrapbook. You know, I mean, it's, it's our social media, it's our notifications. It's all of those things. And um, how is that changing for people with the couples that you work with and the experiences that you have and the things that you hear while you're out in the field? Uh, it's changing in ways that um, most people uh, cannot even conceive of. And um, I'm not um, anti technology by any means and I have, I have a lot of gratitude for my laptop and for my phone and f- for the ease with which I'm able to communicate um, information 
to people and to receive it. Um, having said that, <clears throat> I have a lot of concern and, and uh, worry about the way in which it's affecting um, particularly the younger people who have never known a world that doesn't have um, th these conveniences and who relate to them not as enhancements of life but as requirements of life um, and who confuse um, online connection uh, or, you know, uh, connection through the Internet uh, or through various forms of uh, email or voicemail with communication. The, the word communication really has the same word, has the same root as the word common, and it means to share experiences together and, and to create understanding mutually with each other. And although... Um, technology can do wonders in terms of conveying information, it's not so good at creating connection and understanding. And for that, we need to have more direct forms of communication. And, and I, I really have a lot of concerns about um, people who have had so little experience having truly direct, meaningful connection in their communication with their um, uh, ability to create meaningful relationships because, as we all know, that relationships require good communication, mutual understanding, support, um, reciprocity. These are the things that, that create the foundation for good relationships. And when we don't have that, we're, we're really at risk of having being on very shaky ground in terms of being able to to create um successful relationships so so a lot of the work that we do is trying to um repair the deficit that people have because they don't have much if any genuine meaningful contact with other people Well, Linda, we were talking uh, during break about uh, some new kind of shocking statistics uh, that when it comes to intimacy, people are still having a difficult time uh, hiding their uh, phone computer from themselves. I think that it's not a good idea to take uh, your laptop into the bedroom with you or to take your phone in there, and some people have to have them nearby all the time. And when I ever read that piece of research about the 17 to 35-year-olds that were asked, how many of you have either sent or received a text during sex, the 20% of the people said yes, that they had. And I oh, thought, gosh. oh, my goodness, is there nothing that's sacred? And I think that um, people really need to take a look at are the screens enhancing my life or are they starting to rob from the way in which I'm relating face-to-face, -face, looking in the eye, touch-to-touch, -touch, because they can be so distracting. And if 
we've learned anything from our own relationship and what works here and from the many couples that we've worked with over the years. And we did a whole study about the blue ribbon relationships, you know, the gold medalists of marriage. And they make their relationship a really high priority. And so I just know for sure that those couples who are enjoying the best that relationship can be, making it to co-creative state, that these people have blackout periods where their screens are completely off limits. Because if there's an unwillingness or lack of practice in doing so, you start to have a screen between the two of you. That's right. It can be mm-hmm. divisive. People, mm-hmm. people can be relating to their screens instead of each other because it's risky to be vulnerable with your partner and to speak about your deeper feelings and speak about your needs and what works for you in the relationship and what doesn't and how you want to be loved and if they're missing the mark a little bit. These kinds of conversations can be really high risk. And so sometimes people use their screens to avoid real that deeper, you know, you were talking about going deeper into the relationship. We're always encouraging people to be the deep divers and tell themselves the truth first and then reveal it rather than conceal it with their partner. Now, what do you think lies ahead for the two of you? Uh, well, good question. I guess my short answer to that question was um uh I just had a birthday and and I acknowledged um to myself and to Linda and to anybody who would listen <laughs> that you know it just seems to keep getting better <laughs> which is not what I had expected mm-hmm. I, I figured that um at this point in my life um I would be winding down uh, not just in terms of work, but, you know, just winding down, you get older, you don't have as much energy, your passion is diminished, you know, things just kind of slow down and wind down. And, you know, it's been the opposite for me. Um, mm-hmm. It's not busier necessarily, but my level of engagement with life keeps getting stronger and more fulfilling. And at the same time, easier and more peaceful. So it's like the best of both worlds. Um, And I'm not sure how that works or why that works, but I'm just living in a lot of gratitude that it does work (laughs) that way, for me anyway. And I attribute a lot of that to the quality of my relationships, not just with with Linda, but with uh, other people in my life. That, um, you know, this business of learning how to create great relationships is something that affects every single dimension of our lives, including our physical health, our sense of well-being, our sense of our capacity to enjoy pleasure. I mean, it just, it is, as far as I'm concerned, it's the hub of the wheel. It's the center from which everything else emanates. So, my answer to that question is what I expect is just going to keep getting better. <laughs> At some point, it's going to stop getting better. At some point, it's going to stop. But in the meantime, so far, so good. 
Well, it's not surprising you're a trailblazer in that as well, because people that don't live inside the box tend to do that with everything. Um, and um, relationships can be successful and happy and thrilled with, filled with 50 and 60 and, you know, 70 years as as you're doing, uh, and you can be an ageless spirit and not buy into all the ideas that people tell us all the time about the number and what's going to happen and what's supposed to happen and all of that. So it's not surprising at all. What about you, Linda? What, what well, lies I'm, ahead for the two of I'm you or, really and for you? I'm enjoying the journey and feeling really optimistic about what lies ahead. Um, I know that a lot of people in our age group, now that we're in the 70s, they're retiring. Some of them have been retired for years. And Charlie and I don't really want to retire because neither one of us can figure out what would be better than what we're doing because we're, we're blessed to be able to be in service. We are changing the proportion of how much we're working and how much we're playing, and the line is getting very thin between work and play. So we're traveling more, and, and when we do our international trips, we often take people from the network with us. This um, fall, we're going to Asia, and, and we've got a group for 20 days that's going with us there. I think we'll continue to teach at some of the, the centers at Esalen and Multiversity and Kropalu, and I still have fire in the belly to write some more books. And I, I think that... Um, I got at least a couple more, maybe maybe even more than that in me. And we're having a ball with our grandkids. We have three grandsons, and we're really enjoying them. And we go off on vacations with the three generations together. We do a summer one and a winter one. And I feel like we're reaping the benefits of all the good work that we've done, a lot of which has been... Uh, using our relationship as a spiritual practice because I feel like we're kind of in a, a golden age now, do you know, and that um, it's harvest time. And so it, I really want to appeal to your listening audience that there's sometimes in the 20s and 30s and midlife, there are difficulties that have to be fielded, but if we do our own work, we can expect to be rewarded with some some wonderful things. Um, the careers that flourish, see, seeing our kids and grandkids growing up and doing well in their lives, and particularly uh, relishing and savoring the sweetness that our relationship can become. Mm. That's, a, that's extremely powerful. So let's let's go back to the book, um, that which doesn't kill us, and the the story of the 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 two uh, trailblazers when it comes to uh, infinite infinite love. Is there anything that the two of you have learned for sure um, when you when you think about that person that's listening? That that one nugget that and obviously it it's it's to simplify a whole process of all your learnings, but. Is there something that sticks in your mind that's like, wow, you're you're glad that you had that as you were moving towards your your life? Um, well, the thing that that comes up for me, uh, Temple, in response to that question is um, uh, the, the point that really um, I think 
has been one of my very biggest teachings is something that that appeared in um, our first book, um, 101 Things That I Wish I Knew When I Got Married. And um, it's actually, we have, you know, a a list of the 101 things and then we have some uh, uh, comments and commentary and vignettes that kind of um, represent some stories that uh, represent the theme. So the second of the 101 things is uh, vulnerability is disarming. And um, that little vignette um, has to do with the power that vulnerability has, emotional vulnerability has in a relationship where we we think that vulnerability is, is something scary, something that is a weakness, and I don't want to show it because if I do show it, I'll be at risk of getting hurt or getting attacked or somebody might exploit that as a weakness or they might take advantage of me. And what I've learned um, in over the years uh, is that vulnerability is a strength. It's not a weakness. It's not something to be uh, afraid of or ashamed of, particularly, uh, you know, as a man, the conditioning that that we men have in this culture is that we don't want to show vulnerability. Vulnerability is weakness. That's dangerous. That makes us appear to to be at risk of being uh, hurt or attacked. And what I've learned is it's the opposite, that my vulnerability is actually what makes me safer. Because when I'm willing to be vulnerable, guess what? The person with whom I am relating at the time also is going to feel safer. And when they feel safer, they're going to feel less defensive. And when they feel less defensive, they're going to feel less inclined to be uh, on the attack. They're going to be more open. They're going to actually become more vulnerable out of my vulnerability. So instead of trying to be tough and hard and defensive and invulnerable, that if I can override that impulse, which is pretty strong, you know, in in me and I think in most men and, you know, in women too to some degree, but I think to a lesser degree. Um, but the, the, the willingness to do that, uh, I have found a, it's almost like a sanctuary. I feel safer in my vulnerability. So um, to me, that's the biggest uh, teaching that I think I, I've taken away from this work. I love that. And it it kind of dissipates any kind of energy of reactiveness or the drama side of communication. And, and with that of what you're saying, I, I want to reiterate to people, maybe for you listening, 50 years seems like a long time for now. However, um, uh, Charlie and Linda have done many books, um, and they make you know great wedding presents, or they're great to give your family. An End to Arguing is one of those, Your Guide to Great Sex, The Ten Biggest Things We've Learned Since We Got Married. I mean, all of those things. Are, um, I remember... Um, Still to this day, as a teenager, I had a poster in my room that said, learn from the mistakes of others, for perhaps you won't live long enough to learn them all yourself. 
and that <laughs> stayed with me. Isn't that powerful? It's just yeah. um, it's just stayed with me all all my life because it it's so true. You know, people like you that are willing to um, share out loud and 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 share your vulnerabilities, as Charlie said, and and part of your path and those kind of things. You only help everybody else in what we don't need to do, you know, what we can avoid or what we can learn from or how we can be uh, more engaged and more involved or, or whatever that might be. It's, it's a beautiful thing. I, I thank the two of you for your willingness to, to live out loud. It's very powerful. You're very welcome. Yeah. So, Linda, we got to have you talking. Yes, what do you yeah. think about all this? <laughs> Charlie was talking about living with an open heart. Mm-hmm. And I just think that's bang on. That's mm-hmm. right where it is. And my life goal uh, for decades now has to be becoming and evolving into the most loving, contributing person that I can possibly be. And for me, that's clear, that the secret of life is becoming a more loving person. And so everything that our relationship with our um, beloved, if we happen to have a spouse or a lover, with our kids, with our family members, with our closest friends, with our neighbors, with the people that we work with, relationship is going to flush up many opportunities for us to learn and to grow and to use it all because from my point of view you know what is a better use of our time than becoming a more self-actualized loving contributing person i think that's really hitting the jackpot and if you have somebody who's willing to work with you towards that goal man that's just amplifies everything because then you have a good agreement in place. It's a good deal that you make that you're going to work with um, removing any obstacles that are in your way. If you're carrying old stuff from the past that's making you heavy so that you can't dance through life, that you heal those with the help of your closest people in your life. And if you have fears and worries and anticipating the future that that you have somebody in your life that helps you um, let go and turn that over and surrender and live in the now, be present now where life is going on. So I'm all about that. And I have a tremendous amount of gratitude for having come to this point and I hope that I will keep keep on growing and offering, channeling through to everybody you know, that sees us for Skype sessions and counseling sessions and come to be uh, uh, in our classes as students or in any way that we can touch and inspire them with our Facebook Lives. And the fact that I get to do it with my honey just fills me with joy. I feel so blessed to be able to do this work with him because it amplifies the fun factor. No, you still sound like a kid in high school. What are we going to do? <laughs> How is the book doing? Uh, are yeah. you are you uh, happy with um, how it's progressing? This one is um, 
kind of a specialized market. And so mm -hmm. it hasn't had the kind of acclaim that the basic primer, 101 Things I Wish I Knew When I Got Married, had. There have to be people who want to be the deep divers, who are willing to face into the shadow. So the market's not as large for this one. And, you know, we're involved in writing another book right now, and we hope to finish it in the next few months. And this is a uh, hundred and one things that I wish about or wish I knew about arguing when I got married. And so <laughs> I'm I'm really I I feel like people need to face into there's some gnarly things that we have to struggle with to be eligible for a great relationship, to know how to fight well, to negotiate for our needs, to make the descent into the dark. And I know that a lot of people don't have that kind of ambition. If they could just get an okay relationship, that they would be so happy. But I'm trying to encourage people to go for the gold, for the greatest that it can be. Oh well, I I have no I have no doubt with your passion, both of you, that uh, there's so much more that we're going to hear and learn from you uh, through the years. It's always a pleasure to have you on the show. I just always look forward to having you, and because you just um, just talking to you, I, I want to be better, and I, I want to do better at uh, sharing love and keeping my heart open. I want to thank you so much for your willingness to be who you are. And for everyone, go to blood, um, bloomwork.com, uh, bloomwork.com, and, uh, and we'll have to have you on the show. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Hi, I'm Jane Asher, and I believe, and from what I've been shown, that when our loved ones die, they don't really leave. They just slip into the next room. On my podcast, I explore the bigger picture surrounding life on Earth and what follows when we do die. I speak with authors, friends, transition specialists, and other experts about every facet of death, dying, grief, hospice care, cultural traditions, and also our beliefs about that final journey and what we may end up facing. Please join me on the next room on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.